god. <laughs> oh, one of the residents of uh, Monsespa. There, Was one guy still in business? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I gotta stay open. <laughs> I'm we not never close. Down. Whether wind or rain or rancor. <laughs> or rancor. This is crazy. There Look at this guy's He's like, he offers a rancor. Hey, can you not step on my business? Look, yeah. I gotta move these Melaroon. I'm a small business owner. Times have been tough. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's from, that's from the Christmas special. Shot. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a shot rematch from Christmas special. Just he's got the stirrups in there, like, <laughs> This, okay. I got, man, these Rancors can move. Have yeah. we seen a Rancor's, like, feet so much? Yeah. This is cool. What if you just ate him? That's what I just, what was the movie Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> Where they're like, it's dead. Or no, uh, the first Pacific Rim when uh, Ron Perlman's character is like, oh, right. this thing stinks and then it bites and eats. <laughs> they would never do that. No, that would be. And also you gotta love the Second City reunion there. Pasquazi and the strangers know, with candy. Yeah, right? Back together and again. Did Pasquazi do a bit on her true TV show too, where he was I'm the knife sure guy? He did. I mean they've been Mr. friends knives. for like forty years. <laughs> yeah, it's so sweet. These two can like can we just have a scene together? I just love how the music is fat boba boba fat fat this whole time. Ooh. Ooh, who's who get, is who's it? Get, who's getting that bath? I figured BK wouldn't fit in there. No. Oh, Cobb Van. Oh. Is he a turtleneck? Why is his hair so nice? <laughs> he's a, he looks like he's Billy Bob Steve Thornton. Jobs turtleneck. <laughs> in there. It looks like a Billy Bob Thornton character. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstars. The book of Boba Fett has turned its final page. And we did finally get a book in this show, even if it was just Boba Fett's handwritten note to Dave Pasquazi's <laughs> Major Domo telling the Pikes to f right off. Is Boba Fett promising nothing really the deeper metaphor of this series? In what ways did this series ending leave the Star Wars universe changed and unchanged? We're gonna break it all down as we ask, what the Fett? The Fett. This is Wookiee Leaks, New Rockstar's Book of Boba Fett after show and our weekly reaction to the latest in Star Wars. I'm Eric Boss. my Easter egg breakdown is coming tomorrow, but right now, I'm here to help you process and work through this finale, all seven of these episodes, with my favorite Star Wars fanatic, Tommy Bechtold. Ah, yes, Eric. No, you know me, I'm a big Shakespeare guy, and I guess what I could say about this entire series is it was full of sound and fury, <laughs> signifying <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Or, I mean, it, it, I understand why people have mixed reactions coming out of yeah. this, but I kind of approached it the way like MJ does everything in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. You keep your expectations low, you never get you disappointed. Never be disappointed. And I kind of figured after the episode five, episode six, I just kind of accepted yeah. the way they structured this season is really, really weird. And I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy the ride. Because I sure. knew we were going back to Tatooine, and I figured their big cameos were already spent. Like at that point, I would have been shocked if we had like, de-aged Han Solo, yeah. or if we had Kira show up. I held yeah. out hope, but the fact that Cad Bane showed up, that felt like the big cameo. So I was just like, okay, we're just gonna get a battle between Boba Fett's United Forces and the Pikes. Maybe we'll get some uh, Tuscans coming over the ridge. I don't know. Um, and at the end of the day, I think I overall enjoyed it. I'm, I'm happy with this. I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get too burned by this, you know? I did too, like you can't really, I mean, I know, I, like all, all kidding aside, like you can't tell me that we're gonna get a Cad Bane and Black Kersantin appearance in this show, in a seven episode show, and didn't have me end up being like, well, 
I hated it. Like, I, like that was to me. I thought it was. I thought that the, both of those additions were were excellent. I like that Black Kersantin is still out there. I think he's a great live action uh, addition to this saga. He can show up on any show. It feels like and be kind of a menacing or sigh of relief uh, enforcer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I overall, I, I think I enjoyed it too. That was not a beginning, middle, and end. That was kind of just a here is some more Star Wars. Exactly. This is kind of, if this is the world we're in now, both yeah. in Marvel and in Star Wars. I would say mm -hmm. with this season of Boba Fett, it feels like this is the case more with Star Wars. It just reminds me of being in the middle of Clone Wars or in the yeah. middle of Rebels. And you would have these random arcs that just kind of felt disconnected from other things, mm -hmm. but you're still grateful for experiencing it. And I think yes. that's Filoni's bigger vision is that mm -hmm. you can just drop in on characters as they're going on their journeys and just kind of follow where they go. And I think for people who expect a mini series that has like this really tight arc, uh, a character journey, I would say on Boba Fett, it was there. It was not as pronounced as yeah. it was on something like on uh, Loki or WandaVision mm -hmm. or like my favorite show from the past year, uh, uh, Station Eleven, mm. which makes me cry when I think about it because mm. it's so perfect. But mm. um, but it did feel like I got to drop in with Boba Fett for, for I guess, what ended up being five episodes. I got to get an episode with Luke and Grogu. I got to get an episode with Mando and learning more about the Darksaber. And I, I'm grateful for that journey. And if that's all these Star Wars shows are, I as long as some of them might give us this arc, I, I imagine this Obi-Wan Kenobi series will probably give us that. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. honestly, I, it just gives me an excuse to hang out with you every week. You and, know? and you know and, what? I'll take a million shows that don't have anything, that don't have any beginning, middle, or end if we get to hang out every week and talk Star Wars. Right. You know what? Sometimes they can just be shows we make up, puppet shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, all of this, all of this is just like ways that Tommy and I can trick Philip and our other bosses into just yeah. like, hey, there's a new Star Wars show coming out. Tommy yeah, we better cover it. <laughs> but we, we better, better do like seven pre-episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and. And to that point, you can actually see Tommy and Philip and me and Jessica Clemens. We are so excited to be headed to Chicago this Friday for our special live show with Rooster Teeth's very normal podcast store. We're going to be joining the great team at the Face Jam podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're sh we're sharing this live show that's going to be Friday, February 11th, two days from now, 8 mm -hmm. p.m. Talia Hall. If you're in the Chicago area, you got to check it out. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are still available. I, I'm just putting the final touches on the show. We did a run through earlier this week. We were laughing the yes. entire time. It's gonna I think be, it's going to be so fun. So um, fun. I got a fun new jacket that I'm going to wear. Guys, oh. it's going to be here. Guys, if for nothing else, just get the cheap tickets and come see the jacket and walk out after I get out there. <laughs> just a glimpse <laughs> of the outerwear and then yeah. get out of there. It's worth yeah. braving the harsh, cold weather to see of the, the Windy ja City The jacket's not going to disappoint, guys. And there will be a meet and greet with the jacket. Not me, though. Just I will. the jacket. <laughs> just the, the inanimate jacket. carbon rod of the Rockstar Steve. It's Tavi's jacket. Um, well, yeah. uh, tickets are still available. Uh, check the link in the description. And uh, let's recap what happened this episode. So in this mm -hmm. finale episode, we actually begin in the bombed out ruins of the sanctuary in Boba Growl's We Are at War. And they are joined by Mando. Uh, Benedict's like, that was fast. And he's like, yeah, well, I wasn't allowed to talk to the student. It was more like you just kind of observe on the other side of the window. And yeah. just His kindergarten the teacher said if I, if I interrupted, he was just going to want to leave class and then he'd never go back to <laughs> kindergarten again. Right. So. so I'm going to help you fight this war. So what's going on? You yeah. got everything squared away, right? So, so suicide you mission for me then the sounds great. I'd love that. 
And he promises them that the Freetown garrison is on his way. And I just wanted either Finnick or Boba just to be like, them? Yeah. That's the best you could do? Right. Those, those ranchers, that dozen or so ranchers, I saw like two houses in that town. Them? You could, also, why is Boba town? so agreeable? He's like, yeah. this, like, like uh, uh, Mando was like, they call it Freetown now. And he's like, well, then tell Freetown where we are grateful for them. And it's like, he, he didn't go like, no. I'm still calling He's it like, Bob's no. Palace. Actually, call it Bobaville. It's yeah. called Bobaville now. We're Wasting changing its name. Wasting away again in Bobaville. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> out of my watermelons and sand. <laughs> well, uh, Boba's like, yeah, they're coming. He does not yet know that Cobb Vanth has had this duel with Cad Bane. Um, but it sounds like no one knows that Cobb Vanth was just shot in the shoulder. Uh, the Mod Squad arrives and they start figuring out where they're gonna use their base of operations. Bubba wants to fall back to the palace thinking that would be the strategically advantageous place to do it. Uh, but they're like, no, 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 we gotta stay in the town. We gotta, we gotta show the people the town. We gotta show those four different fruit vendors yeah. <laughs> that we have their backs. That's right. Uh, whereas we everyone all else in this town, people. the gang members who hate us. That's right. Uh, the people who, a couple of people, Stephen F. Root, who you know is just waiting for Boba to die. Oh um, yeah, so he's I, just, he cannot, he can't wait to work with the Pike Syndicate. <laughs> so meanwhile, in Maz Eisley, Cad Bane meets with the leader of the Pike Syndicate, uh, uh, played by Phil Lamar, and the mayor of Mos Espa, of course, voiced by Robert Rodriguez, who also directed this finale, is there too. And the Pike leader lets Cad Bane in on the truth that it was not that Nikto Speeder gang that murdered the Tuscan family of Boba but it was actually the Pikes who framed them. As we suspected, they staged it to look like the biker gang had done it. He, they just appropriated their little symbol and then Boba Fett bought right into it and took them out. And it was all this, this cruel thing brought up by the Pikes saying like, we need to look out for our margins. We gotta cut out some overhead here. Sorry guys, it was a business decision. So then we cut to an X-Wing approaching Mos Espa. Usually a sign of some official interference. She even thought it was Captain Carson Tiva, but it was no one other than Grogu and R2-D2. This is crazy that R2 just piloted by himself. Grogu just, I guess, sat in that cockpit the whole time. Luke was not going to join him for this. No. He apparently was salty over being yeah. denied. I don't know what, what happened. I, want, there, I wish they had just shown Grogu picking the chainmail shirt and Luke just being like, what the f are you kidding me? Are you turning do, down? Do you know what this is? This is are you Yoda's out of your mind? Yoda, Yoda's it's lightsaber. It's Yoda's lightsaber, you asshole. And he tries to poke him with it. He's like, well, fine, fine. R2, take it back. No, I just I'm don't get Gen Z. Coming. I just don't get Gen Z with their TikToks <laughs> and their chainmail shirts. Their best car steal. <laughs> well, then um, Amy Sedaris' Pelimoto says my favorite line of the episode. Mm -hmm. Grogu, that's a terrible name. <laughs> she hates it. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously speaking on behalf of the fans who do not get the name Grogu and will never call him Grogu. Uh, but then reveals that he is wearing his uh, his best guard chainmail, of course. So uh, Boba Fett's forces start to get into position. The mod squad combing the streets uh, through Aqualish territory. The Gamorrean guards posted at that spaceport, Black Santon near City Hall and Tradocean territory. Uh, back in the sanctuary, Cad Bane walks up. So whoever was a lookout near the mm -hmm. sanctuary was sleeping on the job. Whoever's looking out anywhere for Cad, I mean, Cad Bane is not exactly what I would call inconspicuous. He's, He's a blue sneaky. man with red eyes and razor sharp teeth. And he just seems to be able to roll up anywhere without yeah. anyone pushing back. They're like, no, this guy seems pretty benevolent. I don't think we need He's to worry about He's a 70 year old Duro. <laughs> 
Yeah. Walking straight down the yeah. middle of any yeah. road. Yeah. How did no one spot him? He's or like stop Ed him? Harris in Westworld and just like walking, <laughs> like all everyone's just programmed not to interfere with him so he can just blow him away whenever he wants. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Cad Bane, interestingly, straight up betrays the Pikes by telling Boba Fett what mm-hmm. they did, that they were the ones who took out the Tuscans. Which is just an interesting point of contention. Mm-hmm. Like it shows that Cad Bane is not as interested in working with the Pikes as we thought. That really, mm-hmm. he this is just personal for him and Boba yeah. Fett. He wanted to get Boba Fett's blood boiling. He wanted mm-hmm. to lure him into a duel because he knew that despite his old age, mm-hmm. Boba Fett has missed a few steps over yeah. his time. He could smell the Bacta fluid on him. So this yes. guy's weak. <laughs> I could take him. This guy's been taking a lot of baths lately. A lot <laughs> of baths. Little bubble bath Boba. <laughs> I can take him. <laughs> Little bubble bath Boba. <laughs> Finally, Boba heeds Finnick Shan's advice mm. and says, now's not the time. I like seeing this. These two finally listen to each other. But then everything falls apart. The Aqualish turn on the mod squad. Uh, and it looked like it wasn't so much a trap. It was just like a, hey, we're going to open our barrels and pull out some blasters and start yeah. shooting at you. This was like kind of like a bad mafia movie sequence where it was like all the families all turned on each other, like where it's like, we told you the whole, you couldn't trust each other the whole time, but like nobody was really being that discreet about it. They all just kind of like, we're like, yeah, we've been standing in a, basically an attack position for the last five minutes, and now we're just pulling our weapons out. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing with, like, the Trandoshans versus Black Chrysanthemum, the Clatoonians yes. against the Gamorrean guards. Those poor Gamorreans falling oh, off the cliff. Oh, squealing that, all the way down. Hard to watch. Hard. <laughs> they didn't have to scream all the way down. They should have done a Wilhelm scream just for no reason. They did one later you in the episode. You did get a Wilhelm scream late this episode. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, what if it, but if it was a Gamorrean that was like, ah! <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. This all felt just like a little weird. Like, I didn't know that Black Kersantan's goal was to fight any trouble that came. Like, right. you would think if they were just there as lookouts and yeah. they shoot and then they run back to report. The Gamorreans, they shoot, they were standing on the edge of a cliff and then these Clutunians just stood on the other side of a train and then that was enough. Like, that, it just, the whole system feel like a, felt like a really bad plan. Yeah, like, also, you were set up to be doomed. One thing that we know is that after the clone troopers ran out, the stormtroopers must have been mostly staffed with Aqualish and Mod Squad because none of those people could hit each other with their <laughs> blasters. They were shooting at each other for like a solid two minutes of TV time, and there were like zero fatalities or zero even people getting winged. Some of the mods, some of the mods got hit and taken out for sure, but it was all, all right, the fine. red shirt mods. Yeah, the red shirt mods. <laughs> the red but the red shirts are the red shirts. So at the sanctuary, Boba Fett actually gives Mando an out. I thought this was a touching moment, yeah. saying like, "You can fly off world. This yeah. isn't your fight." You and then Boba go. says, "It's against the creed," and he says that they're going to go down together. I thought this was really sweet, yeah. and I thought it only makes sense. I thought this was like a good way of connecting from the past episode. That like mm-hmm. at this point, it shows that Mando is okay with Grogu living his life with Luke, that he's mm-hmm. he made his acceptance. He no longer really has that purpose if Grogu doesn't need him. So he's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a good a good of those way to die as any. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go down with another guy in Mandalorian armor. I think that's an honorable way to go. I mean, yeah. the armor hates me. Paz Vizsla hates me. Yeah. I might as well go down with this guy. Right? Bo-Katan's probably gonna try and kill me one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> right. God right, knows right. what Apollo Creed is doing <laughs> off world. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so they say, they quote the title of the episode, we're both going to die in the name of honor. Mm. But the major domo, our improv legend, Dave Pasquese, yes. said, hey, 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 an alternative. <laughs> I studied on Coruscant, the art of negotiation. 
Yeah. Uh, and he's going to bring Boba Fett's terms of surrender. And I love Boba's choice here. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Write something down. It was down. so good. He was like, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Pasquazi did not read the whole no. thing. He just literally read it like on prompter. Ron Burgundy, that whole yeah. tablet, <laughs> until he got to the ward. Yeah. Uh, realized that he, this guy was screwed. I I honestly loved this moment. I'm gonna go yeah. gonna go into uh, more, but this might have been my favorite moment of the episode, mm. just because like I know some people find the Twilight Major Domo a little annoying. I think Dave Pasquazi is brilliant, and I do all too. the choices he makes yeah. just <laughs> so funny. Where he's like well, pausing, and he's like correcting himself mid sentence, rolling his eyes, and it's like him. I think that they're just like in in big fantasy epics like this. You're not used to a kind of like such a such a comedically like big sniveling mm -hmm. kind of bootlicker character you know what i mean like usually that character is played with like a like kind of a vile twinge where they're like yes my lord and then like as soon as the lord mm -hmm. turns away they're like and i've poisoned your milk or something like that dave pasquazi is just like he glad hands he's like a total yeah. politician he smiles at everyone even when they're insulting his appearance and like saying things that like i'm sure the twi'leks are borderline racist he's just like Ah, that never gets old, and like he just continues. Like you, it's just relentless positivity. He's like the Ted Lasso of Star Wars characters. Yeah, or you know, you mentioned like it, it probably was the case that Pasquazi and Amy Sedaris were were casting these shows uh, uh, through their connection with John Favreau mm -hmm. back in their improv days in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I think it's the case. But I think directly, Sarah Haley Finn probably looked at uh, Pasquazi's work on Veep as mm -hmm. uh, Selena Meyer's ex-husband mm -hmm. as just this kind of like piece of shit the way yeah. everyone on that show yes. is just playing the same game yeah and he played this game on the book of boba fett now mm -hmm. and i don't know if everyone on the show is playing this game but like <laughs> pasquazi did the homework i yes, love his character on this show he did great um well they're about to kill this major domo boba fett totally set him up to die which mm -hmm. i just think was so funny he knew mm -hmm. what they were gonna do yeah. to him but they end up using that as a stalling tactic so uh din Djarin and boba fett jetpack in and they just go to town like gimli and legolas mm -hmm. uh but without the counting i would have liked a bit of counting it would have been fun yes. if they just counted up through mandoa numbers yeah. you know uh, that <laughs> yes. fun. Uh, but as they become outnumbered they do get some backup from uh, you know the dozen or so neighborhood watch members <laughs> of bobaville yeah. freetown led by the weekway proprietor w earl brown who we learn his name tanti tanti hi tanti <laughs> gives, giving everyone time to rally hold off the first wave of the pikes the mods yeah. make it back and finnick shan saves the mods that was nice to see yes that was cool and says manners i like that lowers down her face, even though we've seen her face before <laughs> reveals a little more of her face <laughs> but there's a it seems like they've won the first wave of the battle but it's a false victory because the scorpionic annihilator droids show mm -hmm. up these Terrifying droids have been referred to in Star Wars canon, but never actually seen in any TV show or movie. They're based on a piece of concept art for Star Wars Attack of the Clones, but eventually morphed into another design. But here they are, huge, hulking, fully armed, impenetrable force field protecting them, reminiscent of the droidicas in Phantom mm, Menace, yeah. but even bigger, bigger and even harder to penetrate. Doo -doo. I kept waiting for do 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 do. <laughs> and then Schwarzenegger just to show up naked, like just blasting through in one of those time traveling bubbles. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it would be whoever got out of the back to tank, just kind of wet. Your Gondorians are dead. 
hang up the phone. <laughs> well, Pelimoto shows up in uh, one of those ESPCA chariots, you know. Yes. She's like, hey, look who's back. It's Took me back to my harness racing days at Batavia Downs, Eric. It was really heartwarming. <laughs> Also, she whipped the droid at one point, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> she, yeah, she did. She threw the thing, to, and it, she mushed him, and it yeah. worked. He went faster. Yeah. Well, Bobo shows up right in the Rancor, uh, one of my other favorite moments of this episode, yes. leading us to this insane kaiju battle mm -hmm. between the Rancor and the Scorpionic droid, just smashing the city to bits. Mm -hmm. uh, the droid shields do eventually get weakened. We get this like interesting rationale with the shields of like, oh, our kinetics have too much velocity. Mm -hmm. So like... Black Chrysanthemum has to slowly go through it, which felt like another just take from Dune, right? Yes, like they yeah. have to slowly move forward through the shields right. in order to penetrate them. Right. Like it's not about like using blasters to go through. Yeah. You have to also, physically... I forgot to mention earlier in this Black Chrysanthemum's like laser knuckles that he uses in the fight are, I, I don't know if we can invent that technology, but like I dream of one day hitting someone in the face with like a lightsaber <laughs> brass knuckles. <laughs> those yeah. things were awesome. Yeah, those things, some of my new favorite weapons of the show. Well, the shields do get weakened. Uh, Manda's able to get in there with a darksaber finally, uh, but doesn't go for the eye. He just starts slashing away at anything. It seems like Grogu's going to take it down, but just pulls a bolt out of it as a toy. Yeah. Which is such a great moment, you know? I love that. that yeah, setup. it was amazing. Uh, and it just gives uh, Mando enough time to get out of there. So they're finally able to just smash this thing. And I love that do it uh, just pulled it apart. Yeah. What a great moment there. Yes. So uh, this leads to Boba Fett and Cad Bane having their long awaited showdown. And uh, if you were a fan of Star Wars lore, you know that Clone Wars creator Dave Filoni envisioned this showdown between these two characters that was part of the unfinished season six arc, uh, where it's going to be a younger Boba Fett and Cad Bane. Uh, that was going to lead to the the dent that you see in Boba Fett's helmet. Mm. Uh, the showdown's finally happening, but I think Cad Bane asked a question we've all been wondering. What's your angle? Why are you doing this? Why do you care about saving this town? Uh, and Boba Fett assures him, really, there is no angle. He just says, this is my city. Mm. And Cad Bane takes him down. He mm. had him. He had him clear in his sights. But what saves Boba Fett in this moment? Not the Tuscan Raiders actually being still alive. It no. was all represented in the Gaffy Stick. That's right. And I will say, it felt satisfying to see him defeat him with the Gaffy Stick. Yes. But did he have to kill Cad Bane? I'm a little bummed. Yeah. I liked Cad Bane as a character. But is anyone ever really dead? dead? Luke promised us in the first trailer of uh, The Last Jedi, no one ever really dies. Yep. Uh, I mean, that overhead shot of Cad Bane just laying lifeless, I wanted yeah. him just to go... Yeah, <laughs> yeah slither away like exorcist style on his back. <laughs> Jesus, that guy is so creepy. Well, now we got to deal with the issue of this rampaging rancor, right? So he climbs the tower, full King Kong mode, mm -hmm. throws a speeder at Boba Fett's amassed forces, mm -hmm. beats the hell out of Mando until Grogu comes in and looks at the beast. Mm -hmm. And it is the most striking image of the entire episode when he's able to, yes, just put this to sleep and then nuzzles up to it with a little nap. What a beautiful oh. little moment. What a little, what a cute little munchkin. Oh, I just, every time Grogu moved in this episode, I just went, ah, and then someone yep. would die. <laughs> so uh, Finnick Shan takes out the other remaining forces, Mare, Muk Shais, the Pike leader, does that, the, the Godfather baptism sequence there, but all just kind yeah. of in one room. So now we're back in the streets of Mos Espa, and Boba and Finnick walk the streets, getting some respect from the townspeople. He waves back, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't salute him back, just kind of waves, does a little yeah, like... <laughs> queen. 
Why is it got to be my right arm? He says someone is using the back to tank right now, yeah. but it's not Black Kersantan, who I thought it was going to be. He shows up mm -hmm. right there, uh, and then we get to see the rat catcher droid come back, yes. and they're all just kind of hanging out. It's yeah. great. But then we cut to Mando and Grogu in the astromech yes. port of the Naboo Starfighter. It's mm -hmm. great. And then uh, we get the sweet little Mando-style moment between the two of them where he's like, okay, one last time. And he uses the, the sublight thrusters. <laughs> oh, to get the God. Of his and life. you know what? Put that on loop because it was so cute. It was so adorable. <laughs> and then we do get a post credit scene or mid credit scene where we do see who's in the back of the tank. It is Cobb Van wearing a, a weird Steve Jobs style turtleneck. Yes. Uh, and perfectly quaffed hair. hair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like, uh, no, we don't need you to change Timothy Olyphant's like, I could take off the shirt, but why give away the goods? That's right. I think, I feel like they were setting him up just in case he needed to go do an episode of Inside the Actor's Studio right after. They're like, yep. we got to have you fully <laughs> hair and makeup ready. <laughs> and he's there with our guy Thundercat, yeah. uh, ready to do some mod uh, art on this guy. Turn him into a mod. Give him the, he's like, give me the Fennec. Give me the Fennec. But what right. does he need? I don't understand. Like, does he just need like a little shoulder. like plate on his shoulder? Like he's just getting I think a... it just needs, yeah. He I mean, just my needs dad like got little... that surgery last year <laughs> from Thundercat. And and his life, is his life not better as a result? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, your dad, no, he's constantly no. He's fighting off aliens <laughs> in the desert. So what are we meant to take away from this finale? What was the true book of Boba Fett? I have some thoughts on that. But first, our friends at Epic Hero Shop still have some shirts available inspired by Boba Fett. This latest obsession will be returning to the Sarlacc pit soon. So you got to jump on it when you do. You'll get the added option to write in a custom shout out that will appear on screen during these WikiLeaks episodes. We got David saying amazing cameos this season, hoping to see more bounty hunters in live action, specifically Dirge. Agreed. That would be really fun in a future in a future season because you know we're just gonna have new seasons coming out with all these characters, whatever it ends up being called. Uh, Michael says Star Wars is at its best when three PO isn't around to annoy everyone. Michael, wow. wow, some shade at Damn. our favorite protocol. Joy. Michael, he might. I, I understand what Michael's saying when it comes to Clone Wars. Man, oh those three PO episodes of Clone Wars are really hard to get through. They're just mm. they're meant for kids, not meant mm. for grown men watching kids shows. Grown ass men watching cartoons <laughs> about Star Wars, baby. And then Franklin says, "Could you guys tell my friend to watch Clone Wars the TV show? Thanks, guys, love the content." I mean, am I Tommy's... your friend, Franklin? Because my answer is still no. <laughs> watch Clone Wars just so you can understand these shows better, right? Okay. I mean, Clone Wars has right. so much good stuff in it. All right, what was our question coming out of this episode, Eric? One last time. For this specific structure, what the fet was the book of Boba Fett? Yes, what was this show? We we did joke about it in the intro, but I really do think that note that Boba wrote for Pasquazi's Twilight Majordomo to read to the Pikes was kinda the perfect symbol of what the book of Boba Fett as a series was really all about. Because yeah, we gotta be honest, this series was weird. It was structurally insane. And Filoni's overall vision for these interweaving series. This was really the Mandalorian 2.5, without a doubt. Like, it'll be more remembered for what we learned about the Darksaber, the fate of Mandalore, about Grogu, the right. Luke I completely Skywalker forgot about school. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you forgot about it now after this episode, but as we, you know, have new seasons coming out, we're going to think back on those things. I don't really think we're going to think that much about everything that happened on Tatooine. Uh, I think we learned some really cool stuff about Tusken uh, mysticism. Uh, I think we learned some interesting stuff about the city of Mos Espa, but and then we got some cool new characters showing up. But overall, I think we're going to think more about the revelations about 
Grogu about the dark saber. As always, these are the stars of these of these Disney Plus series. So why do we spend so much time on Tatooine? Why structure these episodes with extended flashbacks and then these Tuscan spirit quests that ultimately, by the end of this episode, just really live on in stick form? And then, and then episode after episode, watch Boba Fett falling upwards, falling upwards, literally out of the Sarlacc in the opening images, and then almost falling back into the Sarlacc, and then falling upwards against a criminal network composed of huts and pikes and Wookiees and Duros who are all smarter and deadlier than he is. Was this all really just so Grogu could take a nap beside a Rancor and Cobb Vanth could end up in a back to tank as Thundercat turns him into a classic characters fans like the least in this miniseries? Now, I'm sure many of you are commenting right now saying I'm hating on this show, but I hate to disappoint you. While it is easy to feel that way, you know what? I don't feel that way. I enjoy this. After covering so many of these Disney Plus seasons, I've now learned to know when to keep one's expectations in check. And I knew, I just knew after those insanely packed episodes five and six, there was just no way a return to Tatooine would top those levels of fan service. And so I quite enjoyed this Rancor versus Droidica, giant Droidica, uh, Kaiju bullshit. I thought it was super fun. I, you know, I'm hearing a lot of like armchair film school analysis saying that Robert Rodriguez doesn't know how to direct action. They use, they keep calling the spy kids and it's like, Robert Rodriguez is a pretty good action director. Yeah, I think there was a I, lot I of things going on behind the scenes. There's a couple other examples you're leaving out of his repertoire yeah. when you just yeah, narrow I, it down I, to Spy Kids. He, uh, I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes of the show, why it was structured this way. I think they probably found out midway through that the character of Boba Fett, from a writing standpoint and Lucasfilm as a whole, didn't have a clear a take on what this character's chief motivation was. Uh, might have gotten scared halfway through and decided to restructure it halfway through, brought in the big guns of Filoni of Bryce Dallas Howard to direct some of these things. And and really, Robert Rodriguez was left to just do cleanup work. And to his credit, it often doesn't feel that way. Got a lot of people on Twitter saying, he cut. there's so many cuts in this. There's so many edits. You don't know how to direct action if you have to edit so much. It's like, mother what is the best action film of the past decade? Mad Max Fury Road. You know how much George Miller cut in that movie? He cuts constantly and it's gripping and it's amazing because editing is filmmaking. You do have to cut. Not every, not a single long take makes a good movie. If anything, a long take is just a flex by a director and how well they block things on their sets. A long take doesn't often make a good, uh, a good direction. Watch the opening shot of Spectre, which has the random stupid long take, which tells you nothing about a character. Long takes, it doesn't mean good directing. Editing. Yeah. Well, plus, plus ask anyone who's ever worked on a show or a movie that does a long take. It's miserable. It sucks. It's, miserable. it's really fucking miserable. It's great when they pull it off and it tells yeah. you something about the character. Yeah. Other than that, it's just a director just Other showing that it's a you lot of you going, oh my God, much, I can't uh, believe we have to do this again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I, I think Robert Rodriguez is a great director. I don't know everything that was going on behind the scenes, but I think he put together something that was super enjoyable at the end of the day. But I will say, I did have a gripe. I mean, I had a few gripes, right? I have a few gripes with all of these shows. One thing that I feel like was a missed opportunity that bummed me out was in this big face-off between Boba and Cad Bane, we got zero mention of their past duel that resulted in the dent in Boba's helmet. Like, he did say, he mentioned to a past where he's like, oh, you're not a younger kid anymore or whatever, right? But like, why can't they just talk about the dent? Why does it? Because we're never, if Cad Bane is dead, that's never going to come up again. Not to see, say we can't see it. We could see that stage in live action earlier in their lives. But I just would have liked some reference to it. Um, but other than that, that's it. Like, I didn't need de-aged Han Solo or Kira or Bo-Katan 
or Rex or Omega or Mace Windu. Like I would have liked maybe a Rohirrim of Tuscans coming over the ridge just to redeem their unceremonious slaughter earlier this season. But ultimately, I suppose Boba beating Cad with the gappy stick was enough of a victory there. Uh, I just keep coming back to the exact words of Boba uh, that he wrote for the Major Domo to read to the Pikes. And the more I rewatch that clip, I really think it is a kind of gospel for how the Book of Boba Fett actually resulted in some permanent change, or at least its outlook, of an optimistic future for this Star Wars universe on Tatooine. Here is what Boba Fett wrote, super fast by the way. He wrote this all by hand. He said, I, Boba Fett, speaking as Daimyo of the Tatooine territories formerly held by Jabba the Hutt, do present the following offer, nothing. You will leave this planet and your spice trade if you refuse these terms, the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. And the Major Domo tags it with a ritualistic, the word of the Lord. <laughs> but in this case, he says his words. <laughs> and a great moment. I think it says it all. That book, that right there is our book of Boba Fett. Listen to that poetry. Alliteration there. Flourish with flowered fields, fertilized. He wrote that off the top of his head. And I think Boba is alluding to what I find to be the most fascinating thing revealed about Tatooine on the show, something learned only through Boba's experience with the Tuscans on the night of his march to the Gaffey tree and mentioned briefly by the great Stephen F. Root before he was cut off. That Tatooine used to be covered in oceans and rich vegetation. We did not learn what disastrous event caused that, but we did see something similar happen on Mandalore, a planet bombed to bits, probably happened on Tatooine as well. Yet Mandalore still possesses the living waters underneath the surface that Mando will visit in the Mandalorian season three. Likewise, I think some kind of form of living waters may exist and can now return to the surface of Tatooine because it was heavily implied throughout the season that the reason for its arid state, the reason why Tatooine is still a shithole is because it is used as spice territory. Now it is not mined there, it's mined on Kessel, but it seems like it is brought there to be processed. These drug deals happening, these drug transfers happening, their, their trains comb through their desert, mowing down Banthas and Tuscans. Uh, the deals are happening in the cities, preventing true business opportunities from flourishing. Uh, and I think the implication is that without the huts or the pikes plaguing this planet, a curse has been lifted. So now we may finally see some natural gaffy trees springing up. Imagine the stones being returned to the Indian village in Temple of Doom. That's kind of what it feels like. That next time we visit Tatooine, I guess next time we visit it was later on when Rey goes there in the final scene of uh, Rise of Skywalker, right? But I'm hoping now we can start seeing some more vegetation. We can start to see Tatooine return to that natural state and at least see some social mobility for the Tuscans. Uh, because remember, there was that line where Fennec said that, hey, maybe we should keep some of the spice trading active because the huts, they pay well. It's going to be a profitable thing for us. A lot of credits in that. And Boba said, no, no dice on spice. So I think with spice gone from the planet, that curse has been lifted from the blood-soaked homeland of the Skywalkers. And we've gone from death to life. And that, in my eyes, is the Book of Boba Fett. But Tommy, I wanted to ask you, did you feel any of this? Or do you think that if that was Robert Rodriguez's and John Favreau's and, and Dave Filoni's intention that they could have done a better job executing it in these episodes. No, I think I think that it's. I I almost wonder if the 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 returning of of vegetation or or the returning of the way 
Tatooine used to be is more metaphorical. You know what I mean? Like it's more of like a blossoming of 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 the of the people that live there and the species that all live there. Because it, it it's always interesting to me the way Tatooine is laid out is like it's very isolated. It's these cities that are very isolated from each other with just vast desert in between that you really can only get to by either walking through tremendous heat and 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 just brutal sun or having some sort of speeder or some sort of craft. So I, I almost wonder if the, if it's a symbolic kind of reawakening of the planet rather than just a physical, we're going to see vegetation pop up. I, I feel like it's more, we can see the Tuscans interacting with the, with, the, with the cities more, the trade being, you know, kind of a more interconnected world. It's just, you know, making the world a little smaller, one electronic device at the time, much like our world today. Maybe the introduction of iPhones, you know, or something like that to get everybody to get everybody going. But I, I, seriously, I, 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 I think it's a little too like almost like animated movie-ish to have had like a spring pop up at the end and like people being like a kid picking a flower or kind of almost like a post-apocalyptic world. But I, 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 I think it's more the metaphor of Tatooine becoming a thriving planet again uh, with the elimination of spice. Get the spice out of there. Just like my Aunt Barb's potato salad at a 4th of July picnic, no spice, no seasoning. <laughs> yeah, I. But what you're saying is like maybe a little too cute by half, a little on the nose. I would have loved a final shot, I think, that returns to those two gaffy trees in the middle of the dune sea. And then maybe we just pull back and we see like another leaf or some kind of desert. All right, you know what? You, you sold me. On that image I, specifically. I didn't have to do anything there. That was the easiest sell. Yeah, I'm back in. Eric, I can't say in. no to you. I just look at your <laughs> I look at you and your blue dungeon with your cute Mandalorian shirt or your cute Boba Fett shirt, and I just I don't know. You sell me. You're on in the anything. blue dungeon too. You're you know also what? In this let's dungeon. get back to pod racing. Let's let's use the fossil fuels of pod or whatever, or, Rob. Or or how about this? Like, you know, they they had the mailer on fruit that uh, BK takes a big bite of at the end. Like, it would have been more fun, I think, maybe if those Mealer and flu fruits were just a little rotten as they collapsed on the Major Domo in the previous episode, and now it's, like, ripe, suggesting, like, oh, it's, you know, this is a more fortuitous place to do business and to have uh, fresh produce. You know, it's now a true farmer's market. Yes. Because the conditions here are starting to improve. <laughs> with, with occasional rancor attacks. <laughs> because here's the deal, like... Before we got to episode five and episode six of the series, and then that just blew our minds. It was just like kind of like not cheap fan service, but it felt like it felt like candy. It felt like Halloween, you know, um, before we got there. And we were just trying to derive some meaning of what they were trying to say about Boba's journey with the Tuscans here on Tatooine. For a second, it did feel like, oh, this show should, should just be called Tatooine, you know, like uh, the Tales of Tatooine or something like that. or. Um, you know, the secrets of Tatooine. Like, the episode two was just so fascinating to learn, like, the Tuscan ways, their their mysticism, their religious beliefs, their their traditions. I loved that. Uh, and I love a show that just explores one planet. I didn't need to go to space at that point. It wasn't until they just pulled away from the Tuscans and started to visit parts of Tatooine that were not as well defined and and showed how Boba Fett did not really have a clear strategy or a plan for how he wanted to bring the criminal uh, parts of the city into the fold. Also, if it is a criminal network, what crime is Boba Fett overseeing if not the sale of spice? Like it's a criminal network. You want to be Tony Soprano, 
Well, you're not truly working in waste management. People are dying and selling right. drugs. It kind of feels guns. like Bo the only thing Bobo wants to do is take bribes from like nightclub owners. Like that's right. the only that's the only crime he's comfortable. Like I guess right. providing protection. Maybe that's right. I I loved everything in the flashbacks way yeah. more than in the present era. Yeah. So as soon as those flashbacks really ended and his time with the Tuscans really ended, that's when I got confused about what the show really was. Yeah. But I would I would watch a show, honestly, if it was just the Tuscans grunting at each other with their massives, mm -hmm. uh, doing their journeys of going to gappy trees. Like, mm -hmm. that, to me, is fascinating. I'd yeah. watch that. I don't need an outsider to join them. I'd, I'd love to watch just some Tuscans wordlessly grunting at each other, talking shit about the people over in Freetown, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, uh, dealing with the crate dragon, dealing with the sarlacc, you know, mm -hmm. there's a whole world there. And I love that I, I would watch a whole show if it was just Tatooine, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's when it tries to do too much where I get a little lost. Um, and I think that's where we got a little lost. But still, at the end of the day, there's so much great that came out of this series. And I'm grateful yeah. for all that. I, I'm yeah. in a good place right now. I agree. It was really overall very enjoyable. I, you know, yeah. you can pick it apart and you can have your complaints and gripes about it, which I'm sure we all do. And like, you know, you can call out what worked and what didn't work. But at the end of the day, I still left going like, oh, I'm glad I watched that. That was good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to more. Like, there, it wasn't like one of those things where I left the, like the theater going, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it no, was like, I, okay. I understood. I got a sense of like, ah, okay, this was a different show uh, right. than yeah. I thought after episode two, and I, I understand it. But I also concluded that in episode five. Right, right, right. As soon as Mando walked in with the Darksaber, I'm like, yeah. ah, yep. this is a different show than I thought. Okay, I'm not, I'm not bummed about that. Yep. Uh, well, we're going to talk some more, um, but first we want to thank our friends at HelloFresh. Our friends at HelloFresh are shipping out farm fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes right to your doorstep. You can save time and money that you can better use to run your desert planet criminal empire. HelloFresh delivers pre-proportioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week so you can get convenience without skimping on quality. Customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello custom offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another, upgrading for a more luxe experience, even adding protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored for you. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket because you're not wasting any ingredients this way. They give you exactly what you need to make this great meal. You know, anytime I try to use produce, in a, in a meal, I always feel bad that I'm wasting. I, it's so hard to shop for the exact amount that you need for something like that. Well, HelloFresh solves that for you. We're big fans of HelloFresh in our house. I actually made a shepherd's pie last night. I, I'm nervous about making British cuisine. This is the only meal I want to eat for the rest of my life. It was so good. Uh, so it's just such a great excuse to try cooking new things in a way that sets us up for success. The food is always tasty. I feel an extra sense of accomplishment for cooking something new. So. You try it yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WookieLeaks16 and use the code WookieLeaks16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash WookieLeaks16. Use the code WookieLeaks16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. We also want to thank Peloton for sponsoring this episode. When you're trying to develop new habits, you want to keep things fresh to avoid burning out, right? Well, our friends at Peloton are helping you keep things fresh by offering new classes, new music, new ways to keep yourself motivated to work out. The folks that make the exercise bikes that everybody loves also have a great exercise app, and you don't even need to have one of the bikes to use this app. Peloton has a workout for every day and every schedule. De-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength, 20 minutes of cardio, or just do a quick 15-minute total body class before work. Stay motivated while having fun with bike workouts, yoga, boxing, dance cardio, and more. Peloton is offering more great music to their app, including a fun new artist series classes. Work out to the music of a single artist for an entire class 
from your favorite hits to the deep cuts. I'm excited to try the meditation classes after a long season of the Book of Boba Fett. I could, you know, use the meditation time, my own kind of like app back to tank. And that's what this Peloton app does for me. It's a back to tank for my mind. So you visit onepeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. And lastly, we want to thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. We all love delicious sweet treats, but if you're trying to eat clean and mean like the boba of Tatooine, Magic Spoon can help you. Magic Spoon cereal has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. Grab yourself a variety pack for the four flavors of cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. You can try mixing those flavors. Chocolate and peanut butter go together so well. It's my favorite combo. Frosted and fruity go really great together. So go to magicspoon.com slash WookieLeaks to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code of WookieLeaks at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash WookieLeaks and use the code WookieLeaks to save $5 off. And again, we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Tommy, I want to ask you, after this final scene, where are Mando and Grogu headed now? You know, uh, I think the, uh, you know, obviously the indicated answer is they're going to be searching for some sort of information in those underground lakes. But I think that the beginning, their next, their first stop is that they've got to go be, and I know this sounds ridiculous, they've got to go be present for the trial of Moff Gideon. I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see them uh, not necessarily Grogu take the stand. But I think that they are key witnesses and key participants in the crimes of Moff Gideon. Not not participants, I guess you could almost say victims of the crimes. So I think they are headed to some sort of new Republic uh, outpost uh, courthouse to uh, witness the trial and let's hope conviction of the dastardly Moff Gideon. What about you, Eric? What do you think? I think that's such a brilliant idea, Tommy. I didn't think about that. I was thinking, yeah, they're going to head to Mandalore. He's going to go dig down to those mines, go swimming. Grogu's going to be like, what are you doing? He's going to be looking, think Grogu's that's... looking for slugs to eat. <laughs> yeah. what, a, what a fascinating opening scene. It reminds me of um, Sherlock Series 3, maybe, mm. where, uh, where Moriarty uh, goes through a, uh, a criminal court yes. proceeding and gets off. Like, that and gets off in all kinds of ways. That guy is oh, horny yeah. in the he, show. Oh, you know, he gets off all right. <laughs> hot priest was once a hot criminal uh, yes, mastermind. That's right. Um, anyway, I would love to see just the collapse and the corruption of the New Republic. Because mm-hmm. the New Republic is not on stable footing at this point in mm-hmm. history. There's a lot of infighting happening right now. to Where Leia was trying to be a rallying figure, but she has some political rivals. And eventually just says, you know what, I'm done. I can't do this. You guys are all messed up. There's like... Uh, plots, there's coup plots, bombings. It is totally uh, plausible that Moff Gideon is able to plea insanity or something like that mm-hmm. or, or blame someone else or able to, like, because they're trying too hard to make it fair and just, he could use that mm-hmm. new, weak, untested justice system against them and get off. Absolutely. Uh, or just use, like, influences that he has in this new republic uh, mm-hmm. to say, look, you know, you need me, you know? Uh, maybe he'll, he'll he offers dirt on someone else, mm-hmm. and then he's able to use that to get a lightened sentence, and then he breaks out. I would love if the opening scene is just the kangaroo court yes. of Moff Gideon, and he's able to play that to his advantage mm-hmm. and able to get out. Uh, because I, I order the release executed. of Moff Gideon immediately. I thank you, Your Honor. And then he goes yeah. out and flies away in his TIE fighter, and it'll be great. It's like when uh, we watched um, uh, Chernobyl, right? And Chernobyl is like history. 
Uh, so, but it, the final episode is like the court proceedings that they mm-hmm. did to convict uh, the guys who made the terrible decisions. Oh, mm-hmm. 3.5 Veronican, not too bad, not great, not too bad. Um, those guys, but the whole court was really just like set up to appease Western scientists mm-hmm. to show that the Soviet Union was on top of it. Mm-hmm. Those guys were going to be convicted either way. But as you're watching it, the way they wrote and directed that episode, it felt like really scary. Like, oh my God, are these guys going to be able to walk? Are things mm-hmm. so corrupt that they're going to mm-hmm. walk? And I would love to see like a similar, I just want to visit what's happening in the New Republic right yeah, now. I, I want to see how, how screwed up it is. I agree. Um, but yeah, I think in Mandalorian season three, we got to visit Mandalore. We got to visit the living waters of Mandalore. Bo-Katan has to show up, yep. right? I want to see Sabine Wren, uh, I believe is showing up in Ahsoka, but I believe all these characters can really just show up ultimately. Yeah. I want to know what happens to the Darksaber. And I kind of want them to either move on from Mandalore or for us to learn that Mandalore was not truly bombed to bits. You know, Um, I think there's some further secrets of that planet that I would like to explain. I want to also ask you, Tommy, uh, why did Luke let Grogu return to Tatooine unattended other than R2? Is Luke salty that Grogu chose Mando over him? I don't don't think so. I I think what we are now seeing is phase two of Luke. Phase one was kind of petulant, impatient child, you know, wanted to get his own, wanted to get off of Tatooine, wanted to go out and explore, wanted things to happen fast, didn't want to do his training slow. Now, and then we know phase three is like old, cranky, fed up, and like kind of like seeing the error of his ways, almost kind of like a broken man, Luke. I think in the Mm -hmm. middle, we have like little Mr. Perfect Luke, like little like, I am so zen and so centered and so one with the force that he's just like, I gave you the choice. You chose not to. All right, R2, get him out. I think it was more, I don't think it was an emotional choice for him. I think he was like, I'll train Grogu because he called out for me at, the, at that Jedi site. And, and then, okay, well, Grogu is still attached to Mando. There's nothing I can do about that, but I'm also not willing to compromise my Jedi beliefs to hybrid train him as a Mandalorian foundling and a Jedi youngling. So, all right, R2, get him back to his daddy. And I, I don't think it was, I, I, I don't think it was an emotional choice. I don't think it was salty. I think it was like, I hate to say, like a business decision for how Luke wants to run the new Jedi. I think that's a really good point, Tommy. And I think one thing we can take away is that this was a step in Luke's journey to do eventually, uh, to build the school and train his nephew that leads to the events of the sequel trilogy. I, I've i never been a fan of this argument that the sequel trilogy needs to be erased from Star Wars canon. Yeah. I understand they are flawed films, sure. but I enjoyed so much about what they did. I would hate, hate if those ever got erased in the same mm-hmm. way that I'd be, I was really, really worried when they erased all the EU stuff Right. Uh, when Disney took over, luckily now Dave Filoni's bringing back all the best yeah, he's parts like, of he's the just, Legends. He's just kind of like Dave Filoni's opened the fires, a fire door, right. and he's been like, "Come on back in, come on back in. We're gonna have you cameo <laughs> in this episode. You exist now. We need someone uh, uh, like who, the way Dave Filoni loves the prequel area. We need some Lucasfilm artist who just loves the sequel area and is able to mm. recontextualize it with like a background, a mm. live action series that mm. just shows us like." Gives us more context of the characters that we saw. I don't know if that will ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like, we're starting to get that a little bit with like Luke's history after Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. Uh, and he's building the school. We're only a couple years out from when he recruits his nephew, right. Ben Solo. Uh, and the fact that Grogu had to rebuff him, had to turn away from him so that Luke would turn to his nephew. And I think right. that's a mistake, obviously, right? Because right. if you're telling a Jedi Padawan that they have to detach from 
all relationships. Tell that to your nephew. Yeah. You're well, the brother to his mom. You're yeah, the son it, of yeah. his grandfather. You're his uncle. <laughs> yeah. It kind of explains kind of explains why Kylo Ren does some of the things that he does, you know. I think it directly yeah. explains yeah. it. I think it's it's what makes him so conflicted to be mm -hmm. vulnerable to mm -hmm. Snoke slash Palpatine's mm -hmm. corruption. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's ends up what I mean, Luke creates his <laughs> own destruction mm -hmm. there. And mm -hmm. you could blame it on Grogu, but Grogu doesn't know what's going on. He's just no. doing, he's making the right choices for him. Yeah, Grogu's you know? just trying to eat um, frogs and, you know, polywogs. But I do love the implication that that did set up that chain of events, that we yeah. see the school, the early days yeah. of being built. We know what's coming. I also wonder how that X-Wing got back to Luke, right? Did yeah. R2 just really pilot it remotely? I guess. Can, and, can, like, does he listen to music on the way? Like, is he just, like, <laughs> oh, through the sky, like, <laughs> listening to, like, Wham or... He, no, he calls Bachman 3PO Turner and right. says, you have to talk to me. I got a long flight. I got to yeah. do it by myself. I need you to talk to me the whole time. Babe, stay up with me. Babe, stay up with me. I don't want to fall listening? asleep while I'm flying this thing, Yes, babe. yes, I am listening, my friend. <laughs> You're not listening. We're wrapping up here. We're yeah. going to talk more and more about Star Wars every week. I just want to yes. give you a chance. Any final thoughts you had about the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, you know, I thought overall there were two really interesting paths that, not to steal from Mallory Rubin from The Ringer, but like the theme of this. And to me, the theme was uh, evolving. And you had two very distinct evolutions in this show. You had Boba Fett evolving. And in the end, Boba Fett only being able to truly succeed at survival and defeating uh, his enemies by, by, by learning from the Tusken Raiders. You know, like he, he all of his skills as a, as a uh, technologically advanced master of weapons, jetpack, blasters, missiles, things like that, they all failed him. And in the end, what he needed most was the catching people unawares with the martial arts and, and, and use of the Gaffy stick or the Tusken Raiders stick. Uh, so I thought that that evolution was interesting that like the road to educating yourself and bettering yourself isn't always a linear path. Sometimes you have to, you have to experience different cultures and different things to be able to succeed at what you want. And then, and then the other person that had that event was Grogu, who was set on this path to become a Jedi Padawan and ultimately didn't want to, wanted to become some sort of force using Mandalorian foundling, something that we haven't really seen uh, put on the screen before. So his path is now... He's not done learning. I'm sure that he's still going to have different teachers that aren't just Mando. I'm sure he'll have other people in his life helping him shape his use of the Force. Like, he's not going to stop using the Force. Mm -hmm. uh, we're both hoping that he'll at some point hopefully wield the, the dark saber. But, like, you know, I think that it's just his path is no longer a traditional path of being a Jedi Padawan turned into Jedi Knight turned into Jedi Master. It's like we now have these two distinctly unconventional paths of, of betterment from these two, you know, kind of massively popular characters. I love the shout out to Mallory Rubin over at The Ringer. Uh, Mallory and Joanna Robinson, their Ringer after show. I mean, everything uh, on that House of R, uh, yeah. uh, what's it called? The, their multiverse feed uh, that also you have uh, Van doing the instant reactions. Yes. I, I, that's a huge part of my diet for Star yes. Wars. Like they have helped me like recontextualize and think deeply about yes. these characters so definitely give them a yeah. subscription and a listen they're amazing yeah. i think you are right and i think we're all part of this experience of you know clone wars watchers rebels watchers already understand this we know it's a patchwork we know sometimes we're going to follow characters it's just going to feel a bit episodic and sometimes a bit aimless but if i think most clone wars watchers were totally fine with this series like it mm -hmm. feels like a, a better version of that mm -hmm. um but i think if you go into this expecting uh, you know, a very tight six episode, seven episode arc for a character uh, as they make this transition, this change in their life. 
uh, to where everything ties back into that theme. You're not, I don't know if we're going to get that from no. this corner of, uh, of media, you know? No. And I'm okay with that. I don't need this to be that. With the Mandalorian's first two seasons, it was also that. It did also feel wandering, episodic, aimless, not really mm -hmm. sure where it was all headed. Uh, but the difference was we had this core relationship of Grogu and Mando that felt mm -hmm. just very simple from the beginning. We knew biologically, instinctively, what their needs were and why they loved each other. Um, we didn't have that core relationship with Boba. It's not just about one character. I think, you know, uh, one thing I learned back when I was trying to write a lot of film scripts is that it's not just about one character's inner journey. What uh, hooks an audience is a core dramatic relationship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that relationship can be a character's relationship with the two halves of themselves. I thought from the first two episodes that was going to be the case, that Boba's past and his present uh, were going to be in, in war with each other, or mm -hmm. Boba's... Uh, clone identity versus his Tuscan identity versus his a bounty hunter identity were going to be in conflict with each other or have some mm. kind of relationship. I don't know if that was ever clearly spelled out in the show. I, I would have liked to see more relationship between Boba and Fennec Shand, you know, two very interesting characters, uh, but both kind of the, the quiet stewing gunslinger characters usually in other worlds. So as a partnership, I didn't really ever by the end of the show understand what their deal was mm. together. And I think that's what was missing for a lot of, general viewers of the show is they just wanted to know what was really motivating Boba Fett on a, on a base level that uh, mm. something that we can universally connect with. Um, and other than him just saying, this is my city, the fact that the Tuscans were killed off so early, uh, if it was just something as simple as I want to give Tuscans a seat at the table, mm. um, that's something that we can connect with. We, yeah, we sure. understand that story. We didn't get For that sure. story. Um, so instead we were just kind of, we had to make that adjustment in our heads of, Oh, this is just, this is just clone wars. And that can be delightful and fun. And it's yeah. just more Star Wars stories. And I think once I was able to make that pivot halfway through the season, I've been coasting for the rest of this season. And I've, I've fully enjoyed it. I've fully appreciated it. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm okay if more series feel this way. I don't, I don't need them all to be tightly structured. Me too. Amen. Um, a one, well, a all of us. In his <laughs> own words. Or whatever the major double said. His, his words. His words. His words. Well, that is it for this episode of Wookiee Leaks. But again, my Easter egg breakdown is coming tomorrow. A lot of cool stuff hidden in this episode. Tommy and I are going to be back every week to talk Star Wars. Next week, we're going to answer maybe some lingering questions you had after the season of Boba Fett. Beyond that, we're going to look ahead to Obi-Wan Kenobi yes. that is coming in May. Will the and Super Bowl give us a, a teaser? Maybe. Come Hopefully. On, that'd be exciting. Give us content. Yum, 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 yum. Nom, 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 <laughs> And don't forget to check out our many great merch options at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow New Rockstars. Subscribe to Wookie Leaks wherever you hear podcasts. Thank you for watching, and we have spoken. spoken.